You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Chapter 6, verses 14 through 19. If you don't have a Bible, there should be um, an ESV uh, around here. Actually, back in the prayer room, there should be one. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. We'd love for you to be following along with us. Let's read chapter 6, verse 14 through 19 of Nehemiah. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and, Tobiah and, to, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Erah, and his son Jehonan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. This is God's word. I so appreciate Yvette's testimony today. Um, fits very well with what I want to say to you this morning. <clears throat> I chose this particular passage because I truly felt that God wanted to really tap into that place and once again address before we finish this series an issue that the enemy uses against all of us from time to time in a variety of ways, and that is fear. There are many times when we are called, asked, prompted, urged to step out and be obedient to God that the hearts of men and women fail because we are afraid. And that fear has the ability to scream so loud to us and it has the power to paralyze us and to cause us to miss some of the great opportunities that God has for us. So I want to talk a little bit about that today with you. And let's just look at it honestly, um, not just from where the enemy might be at work, but let's look at it honestly from where God wants us to be. When fear comes against us and when fear tries to um, mess with us in our life. I believe there are things that God wants to do, and we need to be not only aware of those things, but we need to be intentional about allowing those things to come about in our lives. And I want to talk to you about a few of those things today. Now, you noticed as David read to you, that piece began in verse 14, naming a prophetess and prophets, and it described their intention. Their intent, their purpose was they were the ones who wanted, Nehemiah said, to make me afraid. They actually had that purpose. Everything that they were doing was in order to make Nehemiah, the leader of Israel at that time, afraid. They wanted him to be captured by fear because they believed that that would eradicate not only his leadership, but the success of the building of the wall. And whatever God has in your heart to do, whatever big thing God wants to do in your life, 
that will elevate you and put you in a place or on a platform where you can be influential. As Yvette shared, the enemy is trying to cause fear. Did you hear what Yvette said? I was afraid. I was afraid. She said it twice in her testimony. All right? And, and I appreciate that transparency so much today because she is only articulating the words that some of you have said over and over again in your own heart, but maybe never audibly. And yet God has put you in platforms and positions and spheres of influence and places and given you success and blessing in order that you could do something great for God. And when you stepped up to do that, just as Nehemiah moved over and across the boundary line into Jerusalem, the enemy comes against you and tries to paralyze you in the spirit of fear. And some of you have done hard things even in the last couple of days, even in the last week. You've sent me emails, and there are things where you have had to step out into uncomfortable places or uncharted waters, if you will, and there you have had to move on, on the impulse of God and nothing else. You had nothing else to hold on to or to stand on but God, and you did that. And God has been faithful to you in the obedience, but that did not minimize the level or the magnitude of fear that you experienced in doing that. And so this is a battle that goes on inside of us. But notice at the, at the end of what David read to you in verse 19, it says that, that those letters and those people spoke, and they spoke of, of uh, his good deeds. In, in Nehemiah's presence, they reported the words of Tobias to him. That Tobias is the enemy. And it says, and Tobias sent me letters personally. And why did Tobias send him letters? It says, to make me afraid. In other words, to fear. Tobias wanted me to walk in a spirit of fear. Tobias wanted to stop me, and so he continued to write me letters. He never gave up in the process of this whole work. He never once shrinked back. You know, and that's, oftentimes that's our prayer is, God, just take the enemy out. You know, get, get, get the enemy out of my camp. This is my camp, God. This is your place. This is your calling. This is what you're asking of me. Get the enemy out of this. But that is not the case that happens oftentimes. The enemy is allowed to continue to be aggressive against what we are trying to do for God. And God doesn't necessarily stop the enemy. See, God's intent isn't just to stop the enemy and give you a relief. God isn't about just relieving you. God is about positioning you so that you can do something powerful for the kingdom of God. God's intent is not just to prove that he's powerful enough to get rid of the enemy. His intent is to prove that he is powerful enough through you to overcome the enemy. And so you can function outside of the enemy's plan and outside of the enemy's power and authority. And here's the beauty. Sandwiched in here between verse 14, where it talks about these prophets and prophetesses who wanted to make Nehemiah afraid, and that last piece where it says Tobias sent letters to him often 
wanting to make him afraid. There's an amazing thing that happens in here in verse 15. And it says, so the wall was finished in 25 days. In a particular, excuse me, in, in 52 days. And when all the enemies heard it, when they realized that this wall was built in this record 52 days, it says that all of the enemies of the nations around were afraid. They were afraid. What happened? The enemy was using Tobias. The enemy was using a prophetess. The, the enemy was using prophets to speak against the work of God and trying to cause all of God's people to be afraid. And on some levels it was working, but Nehemiah came against that and spoke against that and exposed it. And in 52 days they did this good work and they accomplished what God had called them to do. That's a record time. Actually, it's more than a record time. It's a miraculous time. They should not have finished a wall like this in 52 days. It's actually an impossibility. And given all the circumstances that they were faced with and all the adversities that were coming against them, there's absolutely no way they should have been victorious in this. And yet they accomplished it by the power of God. And when they did, that very spirit turned on the enemy. And now the enemy is afraid. Because the enemy sees how great their God is. The enemy would love to stop you. But God's intent is to be strong through you. Not to relieve you, but to work through you so that you can be successful in the endeavors that he gives to you. And as you are, and as people's lives are changed and transformed, the glory of God shines out from you. And that puts the enemy in his place. And this is what God wants you and I to do. It's a simple, simple message, but it's absolutely intense when you're in the midst of it. And just like Nehemiah and, and, and just like Yvette, you and I have to find the strategies to overcome this work that the enemy is trying to do. I want to just give you three quick things, and I'll try to be done here very very quickly here. I think we have to go back a little bit in the story to close to the beginning when Nehemiah gathers around the leaders of Jerusalem. And as he gathers around them, he speaks to them for the first time. He's already looked at the wall. He's already decided what needs to be done. He's taken an assessment of all of the damage that is there and all of that. And so then he calls the leaders together and he meets with them. That's in Nehemiah chapter 2. And in verse 17, he says, you see the trouble we're in. In other words, you, you have to understand. You live here. You live in the midst of this. He says, you see the trouble that we're in. And he uses terminology to describe the condition with things like Jerusalem lies in ruin. Gates are burned. These are, these are intense words that are being used to describe a condition and a place, if you will. All right. And then he says, we need to come together. We, we need to work together to build these walls around Jerusalem so that we no longer suffer this derision. Some of your Bibles might say shame. Some of them uh, might say contempt. But they're, they're all kind of in a, in, a, in a puddle there of words that have a lot of negative impact on our identity. 
Remember last week we talked about we've got to live out of our identity, who we are, not what we do in Christ. And so he's saying, leaders, we've got to come together. Workers, we've got to come together. We've got to do this together here, all right, so that we will no longer suffer under this contempt and under this shame and under this bad message that is being given to Jerusalem in this season. And I want to say to you that I believe that that is God's heart. And so I want to tell you three things today. And the first one is that inside of God's heart, I believe that there is a desire to take away our shame. The Bible says that Jesus bore the shame and despised it on the cross. In other words, Jesus overcame the shame. Jesus was willing to identify with sinfulness and brokenness and all of that for you and I so that we could walk with him out of that and we could no longer be victimized and identified with the shame of sin and brokenness. And so we can now be identified with our God and with his righteousness and with his wholeness. This is the work of the cross. This is what Jesus did for you. If you've not ever experienced that work of the cross that Jesus has done for you, believe me, my friend, he came to this earth as a child, grew up, took the, the cross and died there so that you could be set free, that you could be delivered out of shame and out of darkness and out of sin and out of brokenness. And he is sitting at the right hand of his Father now, even as I am speaking these words to you, with the intent of praying for you to come out of that place. And everything the enemy wants to do is to bring shame upon us and reproach upon us. And if we look at life out of a a, a rose-colored lens where we don't see how the enemy is at work in our community, in our city today. We are missing the mark, all right? Um, Wade, could you give me a slide? Our cadence, yeah, whoever's, yeah, thank you. Thank you, cadence. I'm going to do something a bit dramatic here, okay? And so I'm going to prep you for that. This is going to be just a little bit dramatic. For some of you, it might be unsettling for you, okay? Um, And I'm I'm taking a risk to do that. That railroad bridge right there is in Sioux Falls. That's a really pretty place. Everybody talks about the beauty of our city. How nice this city is. What an amazing bike trail we have around this city. How beautiful the trees are and how how pretty it is where the river moves around our city. And that's all right and true and that's good. And that that railroad bridge goes across uh, a little bit of uh, water that comes off a spillway right near the airport here in Sioux Falls. And it's a pretty place. I know it's pretty because I've been right down there. I took that photograph. Pastor Dave and I go fishing there. <laughs> so <laughs> we love to go down there. It's quiet. You can get away. And occasionally you hear bikers biking by. The bike trail is just on the other side. Would you give me the next slide? That's a little closer. You can see that underneath the rail track there, there's a little space. 
It's actually uh, a much deeper space than what it looks like in that photograph. But I can actually stand under there. Like I could hide under there. I could do secret things under there. Would you give me the next slide? Pastor Dave and I walked under there a couple of days, a few days ago. We were interested because we saw this rope hanging there down at the bottom. That's really actually quite near the water. It's a lot of rope. I actually took that rope from the railway. It's just a pile of rope. It's just really kind of quite dirty. I had to cut it away from the, t- the, 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 the pieces of wood on the rail track, okay? But that, that is the rope that you see in the picture there. That is not so dramatic or intense. But as I said, we had to cut it. That's intense. That's what we lifted from off the railroad track. And it was all set in place. It was ready to be used. It had been strategically placed there and tied in such a way that a person could step off that piece of wood. And when they jumped, it would work. When somebody in this community is so broken that they could go to a beautiful place and create the means to take their own life because they are so hopeless, we are not without shame. We are not without reproach as a city. The enemy is alive and well and working in this city. But God's intent is to take away whatever the enemy is putting on anyone. God's intent is to take it away and give us hope. And you say, well, you're showing us that, and and I don't know if that's really necessary. Maybe it's not necessary. I don't know. But here's what I do know. That within a couple of days of finding that, which, by the way, we cut it off because we just could not leave that there knowing that someone could use it. But we also left a note with phone numbers and asked someone to call us. But I'm going to tell you that even just doing that caused me fear. Putting myself in that place of having to encounter that person who created that situation struck fear. I could feel the fear rising up in me. And even as David said, let's, let's write a note. And I'm thinking, well, what if this person does something else unpredictable? And yet we knew, we were compelled, we couldn't stop, we couldn't just drive away from there without something. And, and so we left, a, we left a note. You, you and I, have, we, we have to be able to do something. But here's the thing. I was like, okay, well, that was an odd thing. That was an eerie thing. And it's, it, it has kind of shamed that place for me. It's kind of put an eerie sense on that place. Well, I want to go back to that place just knowing that that had been there. But what if we as a community had found someone under there hanging from that noose 
Can you see how it would have shamed that place? A beautiful place that, that people would go and, and fish or just sit and hang out and hear the water run? Suddenly would be a place that would be remembered because someone took their life there. And there would be a shame and a reproach upon that piece of land. But in the days after that, following that, David and I both talked to various people. And there were occasions where we talked to people who talked to us about thinking about ending their life. And none of them were the person who created that scenario down by the river. The enemy roams about seeking whom he may devour. He is looking at ways to destroy not only people in the world, but even God's people as well. And, and we are not with, without subject to these kinds of things coming against us. But here's what I want to leave you with this morning. I believe that God's heart has a desire to take away our shame. But I also believe that inside of God's heart, there's a desire to strengthen us for good works. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, let them see your good deeds. And as they see your good works, they will glorify God in heaven. The intent of God is that you and I are doing good works right here in our community. And so this is why we want to grow. This is why we want to have an impact. It so is not about a building. It so is about the fact that in our neighborhood, because that trestle is not very far from here, that in our neighborhood there are broken people and they need an answer from Jesus. And the third thing I would say to you is that inside of God's heart, there is a desire to receive glory from his people. David in the Psalms, especially in Psalm 96, speaks of how, how much we are to give God glory through our lives. But Isaiah also tells us that God shares his glory with no one. Whatever we are doing, we are doing for the glory of God. We're doing to give him honor and praise. So God's intent for you and I, as we can see, I think, from Nehemiah, even though the enemy came against him, and even though the enemy continued to come against him, and was still coming against him after he had done the great work, the enemy is relentless. But God is greater. He who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And so we live out of God's greatness and so we live out of God's desire to take away our shame, to impart to us the strength and the ability to do good works so that he is glorified through our lives. And that's what you and I are called to do. Nehemiah, in his work, met with the leaders. And the reason he met with the leaders is because he wanted them on board. And then he met with the people. And he called out to the people, and he said to the people, hey, we got to do this good work. And it says all the people rallied around them, and all the people cried out and said, let's put our hands to this good work that God has called us to do. And that's my call to you today, is that you and I rally, that we come together as God's people. We're trying to put leaders in Life Church 
who can rally and who can, can draw you around them and who can, can equip you and who can empower you and who can release you into service. And you're going to see more and more of those leaders. But we need everyone. We need everybody coming in. And this is what I'm going to ask you in closing today. In particular, I'm going to ask you to pray and ask God what you might do. Here's some things we need. We need more people being a part of the service on Sunday morning. We need more people gathering here on Sunday morning, being a part of what God is doing, touching the mic and, 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 and speaking to one another and encouraging one another and blessing one another. We need more of you, especially you who are covenant members. You should be in D groups. You should be in a small group with a few other people, and you should be growing and being accountable and maturing in that place. But we need people inside of Life Church because we're not just going out. We're going to go out, but we're not just going to go out. We're going to expect that God is going to bring people in here. And every Sunday, there are new faces in Life Church, almost every Sunday. And I believe that God intends for us to serve them and love them and bless them. So we need more of you doing the prayers of the people. We need more of you doing um, the, 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 the different aspects of Life Church. That may even be just making announcements. We need more of you working in the sound booth. We need more of you in the, in the kids' ministry. We need you filling out the, the rotation for the coffee bar. We need you to be teachers. We need you to be teachers' helpers. We need you and I together doing this ministry. And so that's my challenge to you and I is that you begin to pray now, all right? You start to pray now, and you ask God, how are you supposed to be used in Life Church? All right? What is it? What is God's ultimate agenda? And how does that include you? And then the second thing is, okay, God, what other additional platforms have you put me upon in where I am supposed to represent you for the glory of the kingdom. And then you need to be obedient. Thanks, Yvette. You, you, clothed, you gave closure to the sermon. Obey. For such a time as this, obey. That is what God is wanting us to do. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I want to give you a moment to respond. I'm going to call the worship team up and our prayer team. Just give you a moment to reflect on this an intense message today. Um, what is it, um, how is it that the enemies tried to intimidate you with fear? All of us battle fear some certain ways. What is it that he's called you to, but the enemies come against you with a specific fear and it's crippling you? We want to invite you up for prayer today. We want you to get free from that so that you can obey, right? That's, that's the goal. Um, if you are here, and I would just say, like, if you're one of these people that we've been praying for that, like Pastor Bill said, we encountered um, somebody's plan on the railroad this past week, we want to minister to you and we want to pray for you. This is not something to keep a secret. Please come and be prayed for and be ministered. There is hope in Jesus Christ. And that's what we put on that note. We said Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. and We want to help you. And that's so, that's so true for you today. If you're here and you're struggling with suicide thoughts or anything like that, just depression or whatever, darkness. Um, the enemy is powerful. He's nothing to play around with, but our God is greater. And so we just want to reinforce that message. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, what you need to know is that Jesus also battled fear. The night before he was crucified, Jesus cried sweats of blood and sweated blood in the garden. 
right? As he was praying, he, he actually sweated blood. The fear and the anxiety was so intense. And that's because he was getting ready to obey, to do exactly what God had told him to do. And the enemy didn't want any of that to happen because it was going to mean the salvation of God's people, that he would die and rise again on the third day so that you and I can be brought home to our God where we've always belonged. And the good news about that story is he didn't bend to the fear. And so neither do you have to bend to the fear. He will give you the strength. He has the power and he wants to give it to you. Amen? Let me pray for you and then come and receive ministry. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you administer to us right now. We give our lives into your hands. Whatever you need to speak in this moment, we ask that you would speak it. We want to make space for you. Thank you for this word in so many ways that you spoke to us today in Jesus' name.